The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Oh, I don't know about that. You're right on track with us. You're right on track. My idea, my theory, my guidance is a bit of a stretch. Everybody make a mistake. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are so wrong. You're so wonderful. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? Someone intelligent on radio. Yay! Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Yeah, well, medicine makes you feel worse, too. That's why you have to have a spoonful of sugar to make it go down. Good to have you with me. Thanks for joining me. For whatever amount of time that you do, I'm reading stats where they say the average radio listener tunes in, I forget how many minutes. Usually, catch as catch can. So I'm going to try to be at least uh, in the IQ range of about 112 consistently. So no matter when you tune in, you will get the full brunt of 112 IQ points smashing into your ear. Very nice to have you. Program is The Doctor Is In. Monday through Friday, co-production, EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, some 500 stations now. Sirius Satellite, Channel 130, as well of all the many, many apps in the places. Uh, I didn't give a shout-out yesterday, and I should have. I wanted to shout-out to Good Shepherd Catholic Radio up there in Jackson, Michigan. Going to Jackson, it was a great night. Thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it, Bob, and all the folks there. Good Shepherd Catholic Radio. If you'd like to be on the program, 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program for three reasons. One, you have some circumstances in your life that you want to bounce off of me. Can't do therapy here. I'm not going to diagnose you, and I certainly will not step in. When there is another therapist under whose care you are. I can't do that. I had a lady call back yesterday. She was very upset because I said, I, I, I can't. I can't say anything because your therapist knows you and has known you for months and months, if not years. And for me to say something on the basis of what you're telling me as a thought to throw out there might be diametrically opposed to what your therapist is telling you, who knows you infinitely better than I do. She got mad. She called back. She was upset. Well... Anywho, if you have a circumstance in your life, if you want to make a comment to help somebody else out, we've had a couple of those yesterday. Situation usually comes up uh, top of the program where someone struggles with something, and indeed, they um, provoke, prompt, urge a number of comments, helpful comments too. So that's great. And then... If you have a generic type question, we do get those where somebody says, uh, what do you think about this particular socio-cultural phenomenon that affects people's well-being and a particular generic psychological, developmental, emotional term, diagnostic term? So we get those two. 
57 equal is the number to call to get onto the program. This was many years ago. Had a lot of these since. Woman walked into my office. She was a mom. 17-year-old son. Unruly. Very, very difficult. This particular son, I think, if I remember my details correctly, was talking to the school librarian. His tale of woe about having this rigid, unyielding, inflexible mother who just didn't give him what he wanted, and he was reasonable and she was not. And the librarian said, well, this is just awful and terrible. Your mother should just be a a much nicer person to you because I think you're a wonderful person. Of course, when he talked to her in these relatively limited settings with no demands whatsoever, he came across very polite, very nice. People would say, see... What a, what a nice boy he is. I can't believe his mother is like this with him. <clears throat> if the mother's report had 50% credence, this kid was a major discipline problem. Major unruly, major defiant. He was very hard to manage. He was big. He was 17. So he found a sympathetic ear in the librarian. Librarian said, You can come and live here. I think she had, she might have had other kids, and it was perhaps married. You can come and live here. Mom at that point was at her wits' end, agreed, just said, Okay, go, fine. I can't, I can't handle you anymore. So mom was talking to me about this when she came in a later session and said, My son is no longer living at home. He found a sympathetic ear in the librarian who he convinced uh, he is a victim of a throwback Neanderthal, narrow-minded, out-of-sync-with-the-culture mother. I think she was a single mom. I call it being a crusader. I'm going to rescue you from your parents. Your parents clearly do not deal with you well. If they did, you wouldn't be this discontent with them. So, I listen to what you say, and you sound quite reasonable in the way you describe what's going on at home. And I just think that's so sad and unfair that you have to reside in that environment. And I can step in. Yes, sir, I can give you a much more accepting, caring, safe, emotional environment for you. I see a lot of this. I see relatives doing it. You can come and live with me. A lot of times these are young adults. I see grandparents doing it. You can come and live with me. Your parents are unreasonable. Now, one could say, well, maybe the parents are unreasonable. That could be, sure, it could could very well be. I can't rule that out. But in many cases, they're not. They're parents who have rules and expectations that the kids don't like, especially if those rules and expectations are different from the culture at large. And when the kid describes his living situation, he usually finds somebody willing to agree with him. 
In some cases, they're willing to agree with them enough that they say, come and live with us. We'll be nice to you. We'll understand you. I made a prediction to the mom. I said, my guess would be that his living with this librarian won't last past six months. Because she'll see what it's like to live with him. I don't remember exactly the details, but I think he did go back home because she didn't want to deal with him. (laughs) That happens so often. If I have an adolescent in my office, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, who describes for me their discontent. A lot of times the parents will bring the kid in because she's discontent. He's discontent. They're unhappy. So, you know, let's find out the root of their unhappiness. And much of the time, the root of their unhappiness is that my parents aren't being the kind of parents I want them to be. Not because they're nasty parents, but because they are parents that have limits that are tighter than the kids see among their peers. So as we talk... The children can come across very reasonable. They truly can. They come across insightful and thoughtful. And to listen to them alone, you'd think, boy, oh boy, we, we got we to gotta correct some of, these, uh, some of these parents, right? And then the parents come in. And they describe. Um, <clears throat> the teenager selectively left out certain realities of the home situation, certain behaviors on the teen's part, left out huge chunks of history that could have been talked about. Many people, and I've seen this among therapists, therapists do this, and this is part of the reason why many many parents are afraid to go to therapists because the therapist will see the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old And it will sound, from the teen's perspective, that these people that they live with, they're just so unreasonable. They're so unfair. They're so understanding not. And so the therapist generally, and I think sadly, gets pulled in. They just assume that what they're being told reflects reality. A good therapist recognizes that whatever anybody tells you is perception. Is they're seeing it as they see it. Now, it may be very close to reality, of course, but it may also, in the interest of self-interest, be way off from reality. And teens are notorious for doing this. And they find someone who thinks you need to be rescued from your parents, and I'm the person to rescue you. Which I find interesting because in the past, most people recognized that the child's well-being, welfare, raising was up to the parents. You didn't have to step in and rescue the child who was discontent with his parents' ways. Unless the child was being neglected or abused. And in many cases, that's not at all the way it is. There's no such inappropriate parenting involved. It is just the kid being disenchanted with the parents and the way they want to do things. Making me go to church. Ew! No smartphone after 11 
in my room. Ew. I can't hang around with him. Ew. So when the desires of the child clash with what the parents know is good for the child, the child gets discontent. And then the child's very good. And I'm not saying they're deliberately deceptive, although some are. But most of them are simply describing it as they see it to a sympathetic ear. But the irony to all this is that that sympathetic ear generally finds out in time that this kid isn't exactly the picture that he portrayed to them to get them to take him in. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray. What can I say? I'm thrilled. Don't let everyone else get all the great advice. Call now to speak with Dr. Ray. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. Do you remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good, he said. Only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Good to have you. Thank you for joining me. Dr. Ray Garendi program, The Doctor is In. Interestingly enough, I got a distressed call from a citizen from a local community that is known to be very, very conservative. And they had a teacher in service from a group that basically is, um, well, I guess you could say pushing hard the transgender agenda. And the citizen was uh, saying, what can we do? What's going on here? Now, he happened to talk to a couple of board members that he knew, and the board members said, no, 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 that, that what you're hearing is, is not true, that uh, we're, not, we're not advising that if a kid 
tells the teacher about some gender confusion that the parents are not to be told if the parent if the kid doesn't want him to no 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 that's not it well my friend was dubious about this he wasn't real sure if in fact he was just being told something to mollify him so justin from san antonio texas has a similar question hi justin Dr. Ray, thank you so much. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Really appreciate uh, your service you provide. And I'm just, I have a question about what does it look like to love our neighbors well that are, that have gender dysphoria, or maybe they, they are not, they're not diagnosed or they don't, like within the healthcare or the mental health care community, that diagnosis is um, not handed out or treated. And I, I feel like as, as Christians that there, there's an advocacy piece uh, to love our neighbors well, uh, to diagnose well uh, by telling the truth. And that's my assumption, and I just don't know how to engage without being excoriated. <laughs> Well, you don't engage if they don't want to hear it. I, as I get older, I find I, I, I don't want to waste my time with someone who is inveterate in their opinion and any kind of facts, any kind of reasoning, quickly as a parent, will not budge them. Uh, typically, reality will have to hopefully instruct. Here's what I'm now telling parents. You cannot assume that your school follows a policy that would be parent-friendly regarding these gender confusion issues. You can't assume it. You'd better know. Furthermore, just because the school says, absolutely, if this issue comes up, parents are to be told, no matter what the child requests, you can also not assume that the teacher is not motivated to push a certain perspective upon the kids. You can't assume that. This Mm -hmm. um, gender issue has become wildly pervasive in our culture so fast, everywhere. So here's my perspective on this. The the actual gender, I shouldn't say gender, sexual, sexual... Uh, physiological confusion is very rare. It's very rare Mm -hmm. to have someone with uh, sex organs of both sexes and have a a significant miswiring malfunction, hormonal malfunction. That's rare, well under 1%. Mm -hmm. If you look at the gender saying, the gender confusion, I'm I'm a boy, I'm not a girl, etc., etc., that's now exploding in numbers. Exploding. I think eventually more professionals will begin to say, we need to look at all the factors involved in this. We can't mm-hmm. just assume that when a nine-year-old says, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy, that automatically that reveals someone who is out of sync totally with their body, and that's the only factor. There's no other factor. She hasn't been on social media. She hasn't been talking to friends. She hasn't aware of the cultural movement on this. None of it. There's no other factor. Some years ago, in a local high school, 
three children committed suicide in a very short period of time. Mm. They rushed in the counselors. They had the counselors swarm the place. Why? Because they know that among teenagers, they are particularly susceptible, suggestible Mm. to teen movements. And they knew that when you had three kids doing this, it would raise the ideation among the other kids. Well, maybe that's an option. Okay, so they know this. And they know this in about everything else. But they're not raising the issue among, right now anyway, the social confusion. Now, it so happens that Britain, Netherlands, Sweden have said no sexual Mm. uh, transgender surgery operations under 18. Illegal. Not allowed. So they've recognized, obviously, there's something else going on here. Uh, So given that, my, my approach on this is usually something to ask questions. How did you decide this? How did you come to this conclusion? Have mm-hmm. you always felt this way? Is this something that mm-hmm. uh, has confused you? Do you have a friend that's talking this way? Have you been on social media? Because social media, we already know that social media has algorithms that will push kids towards certain places. If they find out that a kid posts something that indicates depression or sadness or any kind of suicidal thinking or gender confusion, that algorithm picks up on it. Mm. and pushes the kids towards places and posts that would feed into that. That's already th- I, it's, it's, it's devious, it's terrible, but they do it. So these are all things I think to be aware of. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know when and if this just roaring tsunami of transgender confusion is going to start to take a more sober-eyed look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. as perhaps some of the European countries already are. I don't know mm-hmm. when that's going to happen. I know that locally there is a uh, teacher teacher who was fired because she said, I can't refer to a child in their preferred pronouns. And mm-hmm. her view was, now you said, do we love? You said, do we love? Well, of course you love. Love wants the best for someone. Mm-hmm. The, right. the, yeah. the indications are starting to come in that... That making these decisions, particularly as an adolescent, can have ramifications you can't undo. And as a result, are are they capable? We we stop kids from doing all kinds of, they can't drive, they can't do all kinds of things. Because we view them as children, not in fact capable neurologically of making these kinds of decisions. But yet on this, we just assume, okay, you're 10, you can make this decision. I, I, I got to believe at some point, Justin, at some point, uh, more people are going to say, we got to, we got to take a look at really what's going on and all the factors involved in it. May it please the Lord. <laughs> May it please the Lord. Thank you, Justin. Thank, Thank you, you for the call. Thank you, Dr. Mm-hmm. 877-573-7825. I went over to my son now is managing an Instagram account. I've never been on Instagram. But those are short little, and, and I don't want to, this is me eating a bologna sandwich. None of that kind of stuff. That's ridiculous. I can't stand it. Look at me. Look at me. Give me, give me thumbs up. Give me sticker systems. No. Whatever I can do to offer a few thoughts, maybe anything that somebody might find useful. I'm not saying that what I put on there is going to be useful to everybody. 
But there could be some folks who say, you know what, I never thought of it that way or never looked at it that way or that's a good way for me to deal with my kid when he does that. That's what it's about. So he's managing it. I think it's under Dr. Ray Garendi. Kind of kind of creative, huh? 877-573-7825 is the number. We're about the halfway mark. And once again, as what happened yesterday, the phone lines filled up again because people said, oh, well, all right, I don't have to get in line because in the halfway mark, there are many places open for you to call it. So I want to hear from you. Thank you. Sixty on ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The third commandment: Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. You know, of all the commandments, it might seem that we would get this one right. After all, it commands us to rest one day. But so often we're off to our own pursuits. God asks us to take one day to stop, reflect, rejoice, spend time with Him and with our family. But so often we're running everywhere else. It's also a day for worship. The book of Leviticus says, Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is the Sabbath of the Lord. And the book of Hebrews says that we should not neglect to meet together, as is a habit of some. And so again, we're asked by God to spend time reflecting and worshiping, and likewise spend time with our family. The third commandment. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Suffering in the world, personal suffering. One of the biggest things that keeps people from really giving themselves over to the Lord or joining an organized religion. Suffering doesn't seem to make sense. Why do children suffer? Why are there wars? Why is there persecution? Why are some people poor, others rich? Why is there such an imbalance? And on and on and on. A loving God wouldn't do that. Well, God doesn't do that. First of all, we did it to ourselves because in the beginning, right, we chose incorrectly. And then sin came into the world. It was not supposed to be like this, but God gives us free will. He does not want to force himself on us because otherwise we would be puppets. But how many of us can look back and forget what came out of a particular hard time? You don't learn really good, strong lessons when everything is going great. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of. But this is truly one of our least worst. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray program, The Doctor is In. What a privilege to do this show. Never thought I'd have this radio program. For years and years and years and years, I wanted to be a secular radio TV host. And my career took me in different directions, and that never, ever happened. And then I got the chance to be on Catholic media. 
And I was so excited, I said no. I did. I did. Because at that time, my speaking was uh, at its peak, maybe 100, 120 times a year I was speaking. And I, I just couldn't devote time to being on a microphone in the middle of the day. It's not going to happen. My wife, who has incredibly better judgment than I do, said, give it six months. Just try it for six months. Work your speaking schedule around it as best you can. Now, I've learned something being married. Do what the women tell you and nobody gets hurt. So I did. Six months. At the end of the six months, I couldn't believe the reach and the impact of Catholic Radio. And I knew then that were I to say, okay, I gave it six months. That's fine. Thank you, Knight. Fun, fun. It was fun. That knowing what it can do for people, that someday if I were to stand before the Lord and I said, you know, Lord, I uh, I got an experience there. The uh, Catholic media can, can really do a lot to help souls. But I'm a busy guy, you know, place to go, people to see. Don't have time for that, you know. I knew I couldn't do that. And as it turned out, my wife was not only wiser than me, but she was much wiser than me. So I've been on Catholic Radio now for, uh, oh, probably 20, 22 years, something like that. Yeah, right out of high school, right out of high school. I was the youngest uh, youngest guy on Catholic media. 877-573-7825. Okay, we'll go to Tom from Massachusetts. Tom, thank you for the call, sir. Ah, uh, Doctor, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Dr. Ray, I have a thought. I have a third-grade son, nine years old. He came home yesterday with uh, an agenda that, uh, with a book, and it's a reading book that they're going to read for, with the class, the entire class, and it's broken down by chapters, and it has a list of Muslim uh, religious words, and we're Catholic, and my boy is only nine years old. And uh, here are some of the terms that they have. Muslim, Hajid, Quaran, Surah, Allah, Shaitan, Bar, Mosque. And they go all the way down through their prayer time. And I just find it very curious in how a public school can put that out there when they're supposed to not be teaching religion. Well, I think you found something that's interesting. They're 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 supposed to be religion neutral when it comes to Christianity, but not anywhere else. Okay. So, I this this goes Tom with what I said ten minutes ago. Yes. You you can't assume what that school is teaching your kid. You just can't. Parents parents just assumed that the teachers in the schools were pretty much you know they weren't they weren't counter to their belief system. They just were neutral. They just avoided it. Well, they don't avoid it anymore. Now, one might say, when my son was in Catholic school, he, he was learning about all the world's religions as a junior. Well, he was a junior. All right, I didn't right. like it then because I th- they spent a semester doing it. And I'm thinking, why don't you spend a semester talking about our faith? 
but they talked about the world's religions because you have to know what other people think. Yeah, you do. But third grade, all that does right. is confuse him. Your little guy's going to go, well, if they think that, Daddy, are we wrong? Because they think that you're going to confuse him. He's nine years old. Right. If right. it were me, I probably would go to the principal and say, well, we're going to skip that assignment. I don't see any reason to confuse my nine-year-old. Well, thank you, doctor, because I actually emailed the teacher, and the teacher referred me to the principal. I have an 8 o'clock appointment tomorrow before school. Well, you know why the teacher referred you to the principal, don't you? Uh, I'm going to say because uh, I, I'm i taking orders from above, and you need to go talk to the boss. I hope that's what it is. My my sense more so is that it's I'm going to teach what I'm going to teach, and if you got a problem with it, you go to the administration. Okay. See, you're probably going to be the only parent who's going to say anything about this. Mm. Now, before anybody writes me with ugly emails, let me tell you I what I'm not. For that. <laughs> no, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you dishonor Islam at all. Correct. I'm saying that when you got a little guy who's being raised with a certain viewpoint, that to introduce a confusing to him religious viewpoint at age nine is not something that is going to do well by him in virtually all muslim dominated countries you can't teach religion you can't teach christianity they wouldn't allow you to teach christianity yeah so and i think you can ask the principal that you can say well if this were a muslim country could 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 we teach christianity to a, a third grader well, we're not a Muslim country. We are open. We believe in pluralism of religions. Okay. My son's nine. My son really can't digest. Right now, he's just barely understanding the faith we're trying to raise him in, which we believe is true. We're not raising him in this faith because we think, well, this is what we want. You choose what you want. This is good for us. You choose what's good for you. No, we believe this is true. So therefore, we're trying to pass it on to our son as best we can. So I'd ask the principal, I'd say, what, what is the reasoning behind this? Okay. I'd ask him, that. I'd say, what's the reasoning? Just, just get, well, and I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, well, we believe the children should be exposed to how other people think. You know, we're a diverse culture. Uh, diversity mm-hmm. is very important. Equity and inclusion. Uh, this is a policy that we follow. And then I'd say, well, why third grade? Why not eighth grade? Why third? Well, we also teach it in the eighth grade, too, but we believe that mm-hmm. early on is the best way to get the child to, to, to understand it. Okay. Well, then, if that is your policy, then what I will do is I will have my son not do that assignment. Well, sir, that's your decision. Uh, you realize, you understand that he may fail then. Yes, I think he'll fail that assignment. I... I would not think he'll fail the year, do you, sir? No, I no. He's a very good student. He's very conscientious. Right. right. So, you know, you're right. touching on something. You're touching on something that is a it is a theme in all of this, and I'm more convinced of this than ever before. The dominant opinion makers and shapers of thinking in our culture want to get rid of Christianity. Christianity is something that has to be scrubbed from the American psyche.
How can we, mere mortals that we are, call God our Father? The Catholic Catechism says we can do this because his Son, who became man, has revealed the Father to us, and because his Spirit makes him known to us. When we pray to the Father, we are in communion with him and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We come to know and recognize him with an ever new sense of wonder. The first phrase of the Our Father is a blessing and adoration before it is a supplication. We can adore the Father because he has caused us to be reborn to his life by adopting us through baptism. He incorporates us into the body of his Christ. The free gift of adoption requires conversion on our part. Praying to our Father should develop in us two fundamental dispositions. Number one, the desire to become like God by responding to His grace. Number two, a humble and trusting heart. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The best way for the church to respond to this new woke religion is to actually begin to see it as religious. What they're offering is a new sense of believing, a new sense of belonging, and a new sense of behaving. They have new commandments uh, regarding tolerance and inclusivism and multiculturalism and egalitarianism. And what's remarkable about this is that the woke people seem to think that the Christian faith is a barrier. Look, Christianity has always taught that the gospel was a universal message. Christ died for all. All human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And we all have solidarity in the fact that we sin. And yet the church gets no credit for its great cultural achievements. Look, the church has already welcomed every nation, family, and tribe. We are the first universal people. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. got a question it's uh i've been looking it up i've been trying to find it maybe i should call one of the apologists at uh catholic answers i gave up junk food for lamp now the these these slippery weasel conditions to that are that i decide what junk food is now donuts have eggs in them and milk so, you know, I, that's probably pretty healthy for you. I don't know if a donut would be considered junk food. But I'm looking at this kind mini bar. Now, it has dark chocolate nuts. A lot of nuts. A lot of, a lot of uh, peanuts. Mostly peanuts. And then dark chocolate on the bottom. Is that a candy bar? I don't know. But uh, I guess I have to, I have to make that call. Uh, speaking of some confusion regarding the faith, Leo is calling. He's a Portlandier, Portland, Oregon. He's got some questions. Hi, Leo. Hey, good day, Doc. How's it going? Hey, thanks for the call, man. Yeah, I've got just three quick little questions for you. Uh, the number one would be, uh, what is the repetition in, like, uh, when the folks are in their mass and prayers and I listen to the radio and I listen to you guys, uh, uh, you know, what's the repetition in that? Sure. In the language? I got you. Well, let me, I, I know you asked a question about the rosary here. I'll give you a little bit of history on the rosary. Um, okay. there's, 100, there's, there's 150 Psalms 
And the clerics used to do the psalms. But the poor people and the people that were of the earth and the people who couldn't read, they had to have a, a more devotional, simpler way. And so the rosary became uh, wildly popular among the lay people. It is a study of the life of Christ. It has the five mysteries as the, um, the sorrowful mysteries. It has the glorious mysteries. It has the joyful mysteries. And uh, Pope John Paul added the luminous mysteries. Now, that's our that meditation. I'm, I'm sorry? sorry? Go ahead, sir. Psalms? I was well, just asking, was that the Psalms? No, no. The Psalms, of course, are, are very diverse in their prayerfulness, in their, well, yeah. in their um, uh, adoration of our Lord, and in some way respects in their pleading with our Lord. So the rosary is something that for Catholics is a way to meditate. It's a way to, let me put it this way. I don't know about you, but I cannot sit down and pray straight for 18 minutes. I can't. I can't sit down and just talk to God straight for 18 minutes. The rosary, if you say it nice and reverently, takes about 18 to 20 minutes. It's a way to pray. It's a beautiful way to pray. Now, some people have a problem with the repetition. You know, there's a uh, verse that our Lord says, avoid vain repetitions. And that's something when I was in the uh, non-Catholic world, they said, how can you Catholics do this? The Lord is clear. Avoid vain repetitions. Well, Again, they don't understand the context of that verse. At that time, there was a sense among the pagans that if you addressed certain gods in a certain way, using the right words and the right names, you could get the gods to do what you wanted. And the Lord said, you don't need to do that. Just ask the Father what you want. You don't, you don't got to go through all that. Your relationship with my Heavenly Father is very different. This is not a pagan God here. Now, here's the other thing I would ask, Leo. The Lord's Prayer, right? You love the Lord's Prayer, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah. Okay, what would be a vain repetition of the Lord's Prayer? Can you only say it once a day? But what if you said to our Lord, uh, Lord, is it okay with you if I say ten Lord's Prayers in a row? Would he say, no, Leo, that's repetition, don't do that. Would yeah. he say that? No. No, it'd be a wonderful thing. Just ask once, and that's it. I mean, in Jesus' name, you know, and hey, that's what I'm working on his face, you know. But here's the other thing, though. Remember yeah. when our Lord talked about the widow who kept badgering the judge? Sure. And our Lord said, you know, this man respected neither God nor man, but yet because she kept coming at him and kept asking him, he granted her. And I think that's a lesson he was trying to tell us about pray, 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 pray. Just keep praying. You don't know when and how our Lord's going to respond in which direction, but just keep going. And a rosary is a wonderful way to just keep going. It reflects on the life of Christ. Um, yeah, I start to see that reasoning now. Yeah. Sure, sure. Like you say, what what is repetition? If I say one Our Father a day. And I say to myself, yeah. well, I don't want to say more than one, because that's repetition. Wait a minute. Would our Lord say that? Would he say, no, 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 just just, no. just one a day's good. Don't say any more than that, Ray. And if I say, Lord, can I say ten a day? No, no, I don't want you to say ten a day. That's rain repetition. 
I, I can't imagine God saying, I think he would say, Ray, pray as many Lord's prayers as you wish to pray. Yeah, it, you know, that's what I read somewhere, you know, you need to ask one in faith, one time and then in faith, you know. And uh, I, I pray that the Lord's Prayer, I, I like to do it every day, but you're right, Doc, it's just, it gets forgotten, you know, and then you're moving on doing things, you know, and then that, oh my gosh, you know, I forgot my prayer this morning, you know. <laughs> But I'm uh, working on it. All right, my friend. Hey, those are honest questions. You know that? Yeah. If you want to, if you go to Catholic.com and type in yeah. uh, what what is the rosary, and they will give you what a nice, what is the rosary, and they'll give you okay. a nice explanation, the, the why of the rosary, maybe the history of the rosary, and and why it is not vain repetition. The key there is not repetition. The key there is vain when our Lord says, don't do vain repetitions. Remember, okay. the the angels at the time of our Lord's birth were saying, holy, holy, holy? Would would that be vain repetition? Remember, why, yeah. don't, why, why don't they just say I holy once? Why don't they just say yeah. holy once? Why do they go on holy, holy, holy? I believe it's because of adoration, love. Uh... Yeah, that's right. It's like me. It's like me telling my wife... Hey, honey, come on. Now, Now I told you I loved you. I think it was last month. Now, come on. That's enough. Don't make me tell you every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty, my friend. God bless you. Honest call. Thank you All so right. much, Leo. Thanks, Be well. Doc. Appreciate okay, your time, 877-573. Got time for a couple more after the other side, so give me a call. 877-573-7825. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Does your brain appreciate stained glass for more than its beauty? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Early Christians couldn't read or write for the most part. Stained glass windows placed in newer church buildings became Bible teachers. These beautiful works of art inspired and highlighted various Bible stories. According to a study from the University of Waterloo, it isn't just our ancient relatives who enjoyed the symbolism of Christian art. Our brains prefer symbols to words. I know, I'm a visual thinker. Let's face it, we can learn from symbols and we can remember more about what we have seen according to the research. Solid visuals can also help us understand abstract concepts. Maybe you relate to visual thinking too. Catholics often practice Visio Divina, praying with or focused on art. Think of how an illustrated children's Bible makes the job of explaining Holy Scripture and God's plan for us so much easier. For more on this, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. We assure you this randomly selected program is one of our least worst. Yeah, well, one thing about kind bars, they're not kind to your mouth. They're very hard to chew. Hope the Lord isn't trying to give me a signal that uh, I'm getting pretty pretty cheap, pretty flexible, pretty weaselly in my definition of junk food. I mean, there are peanuts in it. Peanuts are good for you. This happens to be surrounded by a whole bunch of chocolate. <clears throat> well, this is the first, I think it's the well, it's not the first time, but it is a rare time. Every call today, about 70% of our calls, maybe 75, are females, women. Today, every single call that we took was a guy. Now, this is, I think I can represent sensitivity, all right, and still, and still talk to all these toxic males. I can represent sensitivity as I do so. Jim is calling from Ohio. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you doing? Okay there, sir. All right. I have an odd question for you. I've heard several times lately on EWTN about our pets, uh, dogs mm. and cats, etc. Uh, when they die, that they do not go to heaven. But wouldn't the Bible verse about uh, when Christ returns on a white horse, uh, wouldn't that uh, indicate that there's a possibility that animals are in heaven? The white horse in Revelation is symbolic. Okay, it, it doesn't mean, therefore, because I referred to a white horse, that I'm saying that obviously animals can be in heaven. But I think there's another way to answer your question. The whole area, whether there are pets in heaven, is debated. It truly is. And I think the best answer to that is we don't know. Who's told us? If you say that humans have a rational soul and animals have an animating soul, they don't have a rational soul. So only people with rational souls, only beings with rational souls go to heaven. Okay, that's, that's possible. But we, in the end... Nobody's told us. We don't know if pets will be there. Um, we don't know if tarantulas will be there. Uh, what about uh, king cobras, you know? So I guess, Jim, the, the safest thing to say is we don't know. Uh, some people can say, I speculate. My opinion is that there's no animals in heaven. I talked to a priest just recently. He says, well, God gave us something like this to love so very much, so it would make sense that uh, at, at some level they would uh, continue to be with us. That's his reasoning. Uh, me, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, well, we'll see. Or, wait, I hope I'll see. That's what I want to say. Just my thoughts, Jim. Thank you very much. All righty, sir. Appreciate that. Um, Rick. Rick from Denver. Hi, Rick. Hey, yo, Rick. Yes. Yes, sir. You are finishing up our hour of all males. All males. Today. Oh, cool. Now, my question was, my mother was real abusive to us as children, and I have, uh, we thought she was just mean and crazy. But over the years, of course, she's passed away now, but I think, I really think, 
she was mentally something wrong with her and just it wasn't diagnosed back then in the 60s. But my sisters can't get past it. I was trying to figure out a way to try to approach them so they could get past. Have you asked the them? Feelings they have. Rick, have you asked them? Do you do you think Mom was in in her totally right mind? I have asked them, and I think she was just mean. Do they think uh, that? And when, yes, they think they think she was just mean, and she was to us as children. But I think they're. You know, the older I've gotten, I think there was a reason for that. I think it was just a mental disorder or something. Well, here's another explanation, and maybe this will help. If you could find out, maybe from your mom's sister or somebody still alive, what kind of childhood she had, or how ugly was, or how ugly was her marriage, that can soften uh, you up a little bit. Yeah, her childhood was pretty ugly. See, so, so. Approach, approach your sisters with that and say, look, look, yeah, okay, so so we view mom as uh, very mean and harsh with us and not loving, but look at poor mom's upbringing. In some ways, how, how could she be any way else, given what she went through? Gotcha. You know, gotcha. I think I'll they— try, I'll try that. Yeah, and I, I've, I've, you know, I've heard that from a lot of adults. I had a, a lady call me on the show probably three months ago, Rick— who said, I had so much bitterness toward my mother. And then I found out what my mother's marriage was like, what she put up with, and I didn't know it. I found out what her childhood was like, and I didn't know it. So I became softer toward my mother. I didn't say what she did was good, but at least I had some understanding that she wasn't just so automatically nasty because she wanted to be nasty. She didn't have exactly. much herself. Exactly. All righty, my friend. Thanks, Rick. All right. Thank All right, buddy. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, see, I got, I got about a minute or so left, and I'm not going to take another call because I'm not going to break the record of all guys on the program. Now, you ladies, you want to call in tomorrow, you can call in, but... Now, actually, I didn't ignore the ladies. The, the guys came up in a certain order, and it just happened that way. But tomorrow, it'll be back. You know, I just thought of something. Is it possible that finally it got to the point that even on this radio show, women are not calling me? That happened in college. By my senior year, I never got any calls from girls at all. Zero. When I was a freshman and sophomore, I got a few because, well, the they didn't pass around to their friends, don't call this guy, he's kind of a turkey. So my senior year got Zippo. Maybe this is what's happening. I'll find out tomorrow, hopefully with our, our first call. Thank you, Andrew Kruchek, for your help there at Ann Arbor. Eric Dumont, call screaming. Me, good Lord permitting, I get a chance to talk to you tomorrow. The TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, is in its 12th season, airing on the EWTN Global Catholic Television Network. And that is 10 o'clock on Saturday nights, Eastern Time, and 9.30 Eastern Time in the morning on Tuesdays. Hopefully, uh, you'll join us there. I know EWTN streams, and you can pick them up all over the place, even if you don't get them on your local cable channels. You can get them about anywhere. Thanks for joining me. Make, Make sure you walk with God. Make sure. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.